Well, that's amazing. Thank you, uh, Teresa. Uh, and thank you to the church. As, as we head into a month like this, it's, it's one of those things, it's, it's a bit overwhelming, honestly. Um, we feel uh, the church has done such an incredible job of appreciating us as pastors um, and, and supporting and encouraging us uh, throughout the year. It's, it's certainly not something that uh, only shows up in October, but it's, it's an incredibly special gift that you give us uh, by taking this time to, to, uh, to focus or acknowledge or give gifts, and we receive that with um, gratefulness and a little bit overwhelmedness and, uh, and thankfulness. So, so it's a beautiful thing. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, thank you to the quartet for the hymns. It's been said a couple of times this morning already, but what a, what a powerful set of songs we have sung, what powerful truths we have sung already. It's uh, every once in a while I like to say, and I'll put a plug in again, if you ever, ever want to kind of have um, a bit of a unique church experience or, or up your church experience, coming to the front here on a hymn Sunday and hearing that four-part harmony kind of wash over you uh, from the pews behind, it's an incredible thing uh, to be up here and to have that wall of sound coming from behind us. And so uh, what a powerful worship experience already. Let's, uh, let's pray as we open up this uh, time. God, I just want to acknowledge once again as we step into your word, this gift that you have given us, uh, your holy scripture, this, this tool that we have, um, that we talked about at Adult Sunday School today, this, this, this tool that we have to point us towards you, Jesus, uh, towards what it is that you have done for us to tell your story. And so as we uh, look at your word today, uh, work in our hearts and our minds, help us to, to be able to discern well, to be able to see well what it is that you want to say to us, to speak to us, how it is that we can change and grow uh, to look more like you, to be more like the church that you were calling us to be. In your name, amen. So we are coming up on Thanksgiving. It's, it's uh, the weekend is uh, next weekend. Many of us will be gathering uh, with our families over the course of that weekend. We'll be eating good food and spending time together uh, and taking the opportunity, I hope, to be intentionally thankful. Uh, and one of the ways that we do that is, is uh, gathering together as a church family as well. And, and this has been talked about already, but I want to highlight it again, that next Sunday is going to be a bit of a unique Sunday uh, because we are going to take the opportunity as a church uh, to just speak words of thanks together. And so uh, to speak about what God has been doing in our lives, the things that we're thankful for, to speak about uh, scripture or stories or things that have encouraged us through the year and also to sing together. And so we encourage you to consider bringing a story, a testimony of praise, uh, a piece of scripture or writing that has encouraged you uh, or a song that you love to sing together. And we're going to kind of take a good chunk of the service next week to just do that Together, It's not going to be pre-planned. It's going to be something that we sort of do in worship as a community. I love uh, those services. And thanksgiving or thankfulness uh, is maybe a little bit of a unique thing because I think pretty much universally, you can go outside of the church, I think the whole world would agree in general that thankfulness is good. I don't think... You can find anybody who would say that they don't feel that thankfulness or gratefulness is a good or a valuable thing. 
But, but it's not always something that comes naturally to us. It's something that can be a little bit uh, tricky. I saw a video, I saw something pop up on Facebook um, that, that shows this a little bit. I won't over-explain it. I'll just show this video to you so you can roll that now. Can you please look at the nice lady and say thank you for giving me that cookie? She was so nice to do that. Turn, Avery, 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 turn around. Look at the nice lady and say thank you for the cookie. Avery, 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 Avery. Look at mommy, look at mommy. Look at the nice lady and say thank you for the cookie. No, it's okay, it's okay, she has to say it. She has to say it. Yeah, no, 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 it's, no, it's fine. It's, she, she'll say it, she'll say it. Avery, Avery, look at mommy, look at mommy. Look at the nice lady right there and say thank you so much for the Avery, 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 look at me. Listen. <laughs> look at the nice lady and say thank you for the cookie. Can you do that? Can you do that for mommy? We're not leaving until you do. <laughs> We're not going. Look at the nice lady and say thank you for the cookie. Look at the nice lady and say thank you for the cookie, Avery. Not to me, to the lady. Turn around. <laughs> Say thank you, thank you for the what? The cookie. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. I know there's a line. I know there's a long line. <laughs> okay, let's go. It's cookie time. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, excuse me. Thank you. I don't, know, I don't know if your blood pressure was raising through that video in the same way that mine was. I think most of us can either remember a moment with our own kids where we had that sort of a process, or we can remember a moment as a kid where our parents were trying to instill this in it that felt a little bit like that, or we have been around in grocery stores or restaurants or other places and seen uh, this sort of thing play out. Uh, sorry, Avery, by the way, I warned you ahead of time <laughs> that th there might be a bit of an uncomfortable point in the service for you, so this was that moment. I apologize. might have felt a little bit pointed. But this is something that we work really hard at as parents to try uh, and instill thankfulness in our kids. And, and why do we fight that battle so hard as parents? And why does it have to be fought? It seems like our, our natural bent, our natural disposition as humans is towards seeing or noticing threats or negativity or things to be negative about. If you would talk with, with an anthropologist, somebody who studies human civilization and history, they might talk about the fact that that's kind of been bred into us, that, that, that early humanity had a better chance of surviving as a pessimist then as an optimist, you end up being more careful and more skeptical, and you don't die as easily, even if it isn't as fun to live. As Christians, we believe there's more to it than that. It's not just survival. We believe that the world and everything in it has been tainted and destroyed and distorted uh, by sin and darkness. We believe that sinful nature, that separation from God, has taken us from how we were meant to be, how we were created to be, uh, and has made barriers in our lives towards some of those good and godly things like thankfulness. And so it becomes something that we have to work at, that we have to make intentional choices about. 
But whether you're an anthropologist or a theologian, it's easy to see this play out in our society as a whole. Watching the news or on social media, humanity in general seems to be better at being grumpy than being thankful. We're better at finding things to complain about than finding things to be grateful for. That's our disposition as people so often. Uh, and of course, that's not just an out there problem. It's an in here problem. It's an in here problem. This is something that is true uh, for all of us. And it's not a new problem either. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, a preacher who was born about 200 years ago, he said this. He said, I don't think the church rejoices enough. We all grumble enough and groan enough, but very few of us rejoice enough. I think intuitively, deep down, people understand the value of gratitude. Even in our sort of quote-unquote secular world, people want to be thankful. Uh, Thanksgiving is way more than just a Christian holiday. Companies across Canada are going to shut down for a day that has the purpose of giving thanks. Uh, and we certainly like to be around people who are thankful, who are appreciative, but it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing to achieve it consistently, to have a heart of gratitude. Uh, for many of us, it doesn't seem to happen easily unless we're consciously thinking about being thankful. Thanksgiving, though, is a thread that runs all through Scripture. Jesus himself, in fact, speaks highly of the value of thankfulness. Uh, there's a story. It's not the story that we're going to end up parking in this morning, but maybe it's a good one to open this idea up a little bit. The story of Jesus healing 10 lepers in Luke chapter 17. It's a quick story. I'll read it here. It says this, this starts in verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered the village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. The man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal, heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. So there's a lot we could talk about here, but I want to simply say these two things. First of all, we see again, gratitude is rare, right? One out of ten of these men, after having their lives completely changed, turned around in the most dramatic possible way, one out of ten come back to be thankful. In the human heart, gratitude seems to be the exception sometimes, not the rule. But here's the other thing I want to grab onto. At the end of the story, Jesus says something fascinating. He says, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So what is this faith that the man expresses in this story? He doesn't say a creed or a prayer. He doesn't get baptized. He doesn't memorize scripture. He doesn't speak about his theology at all. What is this faith that Jesus is talking about? What I see here is a man expressing gratitude. Grateful to Jesus. Thanking Jesus for what he has done. And Jesus seems to treat this as interchangeable with faith. At least in this story here, Jesus seems to be saying 
when you show gratefulness and gratitude towards God, that is how you show what you believe. Your faith is demonstrated or is shown or is lived out in gratitude. That's a sign of faith. So you can keep that in mind as we get into this. Uh, like I said, that story was a bit of a table setter. What I actually want to do today is spend most of the service here looking at a single verse, a verse from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. So a little bit of background. Paul did not have a great experience in Thessalonica, where this church is. He's, he doesn't have a good time there when it's talked about in Acts. In Acts chapter 17, we see Paul and Silas go to this city in order to spread the good news, in order to help sort of start a church there uh, and to speak about what God has done. And what happens as they get there is that as they're preaching and as this church is forming, uh, an angry mob kind of comes together and tries to throw the two of them out of town. And so they have to go into hiding at one of the members of this new church that is formed. And they end up sneaking out under cover of night. But several members of that church are grabbed by this mob and are taken to the magistrates in an effort to have them thrown in jail. So Thessalonica here, this city, was not an easy place for the church to be. It was not a pleasant place uh, to be trying to form this new Christian community. It was a hostile environment to the Christians that were there. And it is after that experience and to that church that Paul writes this letter and includes the encouragement that I want to kind of zoom in on Today, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. This might be a verse that some of you have memorized. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. A couple of months ago, Carl Stevenson spoke in church, and he gave a message that was formatted a little bit uh, to be patterned after a show that he would have grown up watching, some of you have as well, I think it's still running actually, uh, called W5, which was a journalism show that focused on the five W's of journalism, who, what, where, when, and why. And this is a special verse because it's a short sentence, it's very concise, but it actually gives us all of the answers to these questions. Who is this for? Well, Paul says, it's for those of us who belong to Christ Jesus. And what should we be doing? We should be thankful. And where should we be doing this? Well, in all circumstances, Paul says, everywhere. When should we be doing this? In all circumstances, all of the time. And why should we do it? Because this is God's will for us. So we're, we're the gathered church here today. We are people who belong to Christ Jesus. And so there's no getting around the fact that this verse is meant for us. It's not just for the Thessalonians. Uh, sometimes there are verses that we can read and go, that was probably more for them than it is for us. That was probably something that was more being said to that specific context or situation than it is something that we're supposed to be following today as the church. But here, Paul makes it clear. If you belong to Christ Jesus, this is for you. So we need to take this seriously. Let's start with those first two words. Be thankful. Some translations say give thanks. Now the Bible speaks very highly of thankfulness 
and gratitude. And in fact, in the Hebrew Bible, there are at least seven words that are used for praise and thanks in the Old Testament. I think it's really fascinating the variety of ways that they come at this idea of thankfulness. Uh, here's a few of the words. Uh, Torah is a thanksgiving choir. I'm not going to pronounce these well, by the way. Uh, Barak is to kneel in thanksgiving. And tequila, that's not to be abundantly clear, not tequila. <laughs> I know with our sermons being recorded and the podcast back up and running, things can get taken out of context. I want to be clear. Tequila is to sing a song of thanksgiving. Uh, halal, this is where we get the word hallelujah, giving thanks by boasting and praising God. Uh, yada, to give thanks with expressive gratitude, to raise your hands in the air. Uh, zamar, to give thanks with a musical instrument. And Shabbat, to give thanks in a loud tone, to shout to the Lord. And the psalmists make very good use of these words. One example is Psalm 100. Psalm 100, in just one verse, in verse 4, uses four of these different words for thankfulness in a single verse. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, with toda, with the choir, and into his courts with tehillah, with singing praises. Yada, expressively give thanks with your hands to him, and Barak, kneel in thanksgiving before his name. And so it's clear that thanksgiving is something that's supposed to be all-encompassing and active. It should affect every part of us. It uses our voices and our arms and our legs and instruments and singing and creativity. Everything is used in thankfulness. It's a whole body experience. When we think about how we worship, why we lift our hands or kneel, where these things come out of, I think we can say that they're driven by a heart of gratitude for what God has done. C.S. Lewis says that being thankful is woven into a life of worshiping God. It's right in the fabric of what it means to be a Christian. Uh, the Greek word that is used most often for thanksgiving, and it's the one that Paul uses in this verse, it also gives us a clue into how the followers of God uh, throughout Scripture think of thanksgiving. The words be thankful or give thanks at the beginning of this verse, that's just one word in Greek. And it's Eucharistio. And now even if you don't know Greek, uh, that word may ring a bell because it's where we get the word Eucharist from, which is commonly known as communion or the Lord's Supper. It's the word that Jesus uses when he's leading his disciples through the Last Supper. When he breaks bread and he gives thanks, communion is literally the act of giving thanks, of Eucharistio, for what God has done for us. And here Paul calls us to live Eucharistio lives. That more than just a moment in a church service, our entire lives at all times are to be formed and shaped by a spirit of thanksgiving, of communion, of Eucharistio. And of course, with give thanks being one word, it's a reminder that you can't really separate those two things, giving and thankfulness. Or certainly Paul didn't. Our hearts and our actions need to be in alignment. It's a little bit how James sometimes speaks about faith and works. Faith without works is dead. Paul might say, thanks without giving is dead. Maybe as we begin to understand that, we can start to see how Jesus ties together the actions of this leper coming back in thankfulness in the spirit of Eucharistio, <coughs> how he ties that together with faith. These things are 
connected. You can't really separate them. So that's the command, the what. We are to be people of thanks. Now comes the where and the when, and Paul sums this up pretty clearly for us. Give thanks, be thankful in all circumstances. Now, I remember we've worked with our kids, as many of you have, on using that word thank you, uh, on verbally expressing thankfulness when it's appropriate. I hope that we've been working just as much or more on helping cultivate a genuine spirit of thankfulness in our kids. But just like that lady in the video, sometimes you get very focused on, you just need to say the words. Please say the words. Let's start there and move out from there. And so we've had those moments where we've been really working on trying to drill that into their heads. I remember one time, a few years ago, when something happened uh, between our boys, August and Sebastian. I can't remember the specific situation, but let's say for the sake of this story that maybe Sebastian had broken some August, a Lego set that August was uh, working on. And so as you do as a parent, these kids were quite unhappy with each other. And we brought them together and we talked about what went wrong and why it went wrong and how it needs to go differently in the future. And, and typically what we do is we bring the kids together and we'd have the one who did the wrong apologize for what had happened and we would encourage the one uh, who, who had the wrongdoing done to them to then offer forgiveness. It's kind of a process we go through with our kids. But this must have done, been done at a time when we were really focusing on thankfulness as well because I got them together and I told Sebastian, what do you say to August? And he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for breaking your Lego. And I looked at August and I said, what do you say to Sebastian? And he looked a bit confused. And then he looked at his brother and he said, thank you for breaking my Lego? <laughs> Paul, when he writes this, there's a tiny but important word here that makes a big difference in how we understand this. A very important distinction. He does not say... Be thankful for all circumstances. He says, be thankful in all circumstances. That's an important difference, I think. We do not need to be thankful for everything that happens. We are called to be thankful in everything that happens, in all circumstances. God's not commanding you to be thankful that you were laid off from your job, or thankful for the empty seat at your family gathering because of a loss in the family or broken relationship. He's not commanding you to be thankful for a betrayal that's occurred. Instead, we are called to be thankful in the midst of those things. Well, you might say, what is it that I have to be thankful for in the midst of those things? If this is something you cultivate in your life, I think you'll be surprised at how much you can find. Uh, when I last preached, I told a story about my grandpa. Uh, today, I'm going to tell you a story about my grandma. This is my grandma here. Uh, and after my grandpa passed away, uh, grandma decided that she was going to start, I think it was on the day of the funeral or very close to it, that she was going to start a thankfulness journal. And she was inspired by the song 10,000 Reasons. And she said, I'm going to find 10,000 reasons to be thankful. And I'm starting a journal. And she lived for six years after my grandpa, and she made it well into the 7,000s before she passed away. That's an average of three new things every single day that she found to be thankful for in the midst of a very painful journey after the loss of my grandpa. 
One thing that I have found more and more significant over the years is I've walked through loss and pain and disappointment and frustration is a deep thankfulness for the simple truth that I follow a Savior who knows how it feels to be hurt. I follow a Savior who knows what it is like to be betrayed, who knows what it is like to be misunderstood, to be slandered, to be hungry, to lose a loved one, to feel weak and weary and wounded. We follow a Savior who understands these things because he lived these things. And even as we may be praying for our current situation to end, to be rescued out of what we are walking through, what we can always know for sure, what we can rest in with total and complete security, is that God will never leave or forsake us to that part of the journey. And because of that, we can give thanks, even in the valley of the shadow of death, even in the presence of our enemies. As Christ followers, we are called to give thanks in every circumstance. My prayer for us as we consider this verse is that the Holy Spirit would plant that in your heart that no matter what comes our way, we can rest in thankfulness for the presence of God in our lives and our community. God has been with us. God is with us and God will be with us. He walks ahead of us and invites us to follow him. It's a beautiful thing, and it allows us against all odds to be thankful in all things. When we did uh, EMC Family Feud in the summer during the, the EMC festival, um, I asked these questions and got responses across our conference, and one of the questions I asked people to respond with is, is what's your favorite hymn? And right close to the top of the board was the hymn that we sang just before this sermon, It Is Well With My Soul. And I know that's a favorite of some of you here. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Many of you will know, some of you might not, the origin story of that hymn. The writer of those words, Horatio Spafford, was a wealthy man whose fortune went up in flames during the great Chicago fire of 1871. And in the midst of trying to figure that all out, trying to rebuild, trying to figure out how he could continue with that loss, he was supposed to travel across the Atlantic with his family, but stayed back because of some of the complications around business as they were trying to figure out what to do after this fire. And on that ship went his four daughters and his wife and the ship was struck, and it sank, and only his wife survived. His four daughters perished at sea in the aftermath of this fire. And then he wrote this hymn. And the original title of this hymn is not, It Is Well With My Soul. When he first wrote these lyrics, the original title that he gave it was Ville de Havre which was named for the ship, the SS Ville de Havre, that his daughters and his wife were on as across the Atlantic. He titled the poem after the greatest, darkest thing in his life and said, 
it is well with my soul. It's a powerful story of thankfulness. Whatever your lot, whatever you are walking through, Paul says, give thanks. So we are to be thankful, to give thanks in all circumstances. And why do we do this? If you look up, why should I be thankful on Google or some other search engine, there are lots of good reasons to be thankful. Legitimately good reasons. It's good for your mental benefit. It, it helps with anxiety. It helps you become more aware of good things around you. It has social benefits. It even has physical benefits to live a thankful life. But we see here Paul's answer. Why be thankful? This is the will of God for those of you in Christ Jesus. Why be thankful? It's God's will. Now there are a couple of dangers here or pitfalls in the way that we understand this. First of all, when you hear that you should be thankful simply because God wills it, there is a risk that what comes into your mind is a God who looks or sounds a little bit like that mom in the video. Avery, Avery, what do you say? Avery, say the words. Avery, look at the nice lady. Avery, what do you say? Thank you for the what? Thank you for the cookie. That is not who God is. That is not what Paul is getting at. When it says that this is God's will for us, it does not mean that God is wagging a finger at you and saying you had better always be thankful or else. You had better always be thankful. I'm always watching. God is inviting us into his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It is a way of life that will bring flourishing and life for us and for those around us and honor to God. We're being invited into a better way, not scolded for not following the letter of the law. Another danger, some of us, all of us in one way or another, I think hear those words, be thankful in all circumstances because this is God's will for you. We hear that. And we go, shoot, I, I don't know if I have it in me. I am not always a happy-go-lucky, super positive, optimistic person. I'd love to be thankful, but I don't know how to do that. I remember, I might have told this story before, but years ago I was in college. We went up to northern Manitoba as a part of Mission X. Uh, and some of the groups, not mine, but some of them went out to fly in reserves. And so they had a pilot with them uh, who flew them out in a Cessna to some of these Communities And the first morning when they were sleeping, uh, they had to get up at, let's say it was 7 in the morning. It was like a reasonable time to get up. And the pilot's alarm goes off. And, and I don't remember his name, but he immediately hit the alarm and said, Praise the Lord! It was the first thing out of his mouth. Praise the Lord! It was just this immediate thing that happened. And off they went. Uh, and the story would go that on their way back, they had to leave significantly earlier. Uh, let's say it was maybe 5 in the morning or 4.30 or something, an earlier time, and that alarm goes off again, and this pilot hits it, and it goes, eh, 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 Lord have mercy, <laughs> he said. But this story came back to us as this sort of quirky but incredible pilot who did this, and I was so captured by that. I thought, what a beautiful thing that somebody could wake up, and before their eyes are open, before their feet are off the bed, the first words out of their mouth are setting themselves up for, for a thankful day, for a thankful attitude, an acknowledgement of God. It was incredible. And so I went, I'm going to do this. 
I am going to become somebody who wakes up and smashes the alarm and says, praise the Lord. And so I would set my alarm in the college dorm, and it would go off, and I would hit it, and for days on end I tried this, and I would wake up, and I was physically unable to get those words out of my mouth. I was groggy and grumpy and grumpier because I was failing at this task. It's like, get me, you know, a shower and breakfast and a cup of coffee, and then we can talk about saying praise the Lord. But right now, in this moment, I, ca I can't even physically get the words out. Uh, and it was this discouraging thing, but I think what's beautiful about God's will for us, when we think about thankfulness in all circumstances, is first of all, that we're not on our own. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us and is working in us. Paul says in a different letter in Philippians, he encourages the church by saying that God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And I think it's also true that it's going to fit in with who God has created us to be. As God shapes us and works us and, and builds in us, and as we pursue a thankful spirit, it's going to be in the unique context of our personality and our temperament and who God has made us to be. It'll be unique. It'll look different for each of us, I think. But what is true without exception is that we are all called to pursue this, along with the Holy Spirit working inside of us. God is working to give us the desire and the power to do these things. And we can become people who reflect uh, what Augustine, one of the early church fathers, a North African theologian said. He said that Christians, when living as God has called them to be Christians, are an alleluia from head to foot. That was his statement about what it means to be a Christian. And we can slowly work towards that with the Holy Spirit in us. Our story, the story of what God has done for us, gives us so much to be thankful for. We can be thankful for the gift of salvation from Jesus. Thankful that death and sin have been defeated. That prayer connects us to the ear and the heart of God. That we have the gift of scripture to discern God's will. That God's mercies are new every morning. And that he never changes. The same yesterday, today, and forever. We can be thankful that God is trustworthy. The list goes on and on. And so I hope that no matter what journey we are on, we can keep our face and our hearts pointed to Jesus. I hope that over this week, you are able to intentionally take time to rest in thankfulness to God, process the gift we've been given as his followers. And I look forward to having that time of sharing uh, next week when we can speak about what God is teaching us about thankfulness. So let us go from here and be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for those of us who belong to Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen.